So we are in the middle of our three-part vision series. Um, again, um, as I had us do last week, if you want to look at the front of your bulletin, um, you'll see that we have our vision expressed in two simple ways, and that's just uh, you know part of our logo or right below our logo. Um, so one way is in three words, is gospel community mission. So gospel, community, mission. Last week we talked about the gospel. This week is community. Next week will be mission. Um, and then the other way is that short phrase beneath it, connected in Christ. So that's the whole idea of the gospel. You're connected to Christ, connected in Christ as a community. So, I mean, it says the word. So that's the community part. On mission. So we want to be connected in Christ as a community on mission. So together we want to be on mission to spread the gospel. We talked about the gospel last week. Um, And even though I almost talked for an hour on it, um, so, you know, I apologize for that in in some capacity, not fully though, um, still didn't even begin to really, as I mentioned about the the creeds that I was just referencing, there's only so much that I even covered of the truths of the gospel. There's only so much that was revealed through, um, you know, what we looked at in Romans 1 through 5 um, and the parts of it that we looked at that there's so much more to it. There's so much more that could be explained and could be mentioned that I didn't even touch on. And so really, you know, an hour um, is nowhere near sufficient enough to really look at all of the different ways in which um, the truth of the gospel can be understood and the ways that it's lived out. So now what I want to do is having gone from that, you know, initial introductory work on the gospel is to move into some of what that means for us. What does the gospel lead into? We ended last week, um, and, I, and I tried to give a simple explanation of the gospel, a framework by which we could think of it by saying it was God, man, Christ response. And so as we ended with response, really the response is not just a one time, a decision that's made, and all of a sudden you're good to go, you know the gospel, you know who Christ is, you've made a decision to follow him, and What happens the rest of your life is just whatever. No, we think that there is an intent and a purpose for which the gospel has been poured out into our hearts. And that intention and purpose is to build a community of believers together who together display the glory of God through the working of the Spirit. And so that's what we're talking about today. That response that we make as individuals is not just an individual response. It is a response that as individuals together, we celebrate and make clearly known through what we proclaim, through what we do, through our words and our actions. And so if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, um, I figured we might as well just stay in Romans. Um, I'm not going to do as much of a, you know... Um, sort of a breakdown of several chapters will mainly just be in Romans chapter 12, but we will touch on um, a bit of chapters 13 and 15 as well. Um, So read with me Romans chapter 12. We'll just read the whole thing um, since it'll be our main text and we'll go back and look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers or brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, as we look at this chapter 12 and what we have just read, I I want us to be sure that we are not looking at it improperly, um, you know, from from a from a grand scale, from a from a big scale. Romans chapter 12, as we just read, if you were following along and listening in any capacity, you can see that there are a lot of commands. There are a lot of expectations put on us as Christians. For the Romans, for the people that Paul was writing to and communicating with, there were a lot of expectations that he had for them. And these expectations that Paul had 2,000 years ago for this group of people, these Gentiles and Jews together, mainly Gentiles, people who were not originally of the family of God, there were a lot of things that this was meant to do. Knowing the gospel is meant to lead us into actions, words, that are what Paul describes here in in chapter 12. I want, first off, to make it abundantly clear that doing these things, being these people, is not what saves you. Loving properly, doing all of these wonderful things, okay, abhorring what is evil, outdoing one another and showing honor, you know, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, being constant in prayer. These things do not save you, but these things are evidences in your life of the fact that you have properly responded to the gospel in the first place. Your response to the gospel means that you will then act in these ways. And we are not perfect in these things. But these are ways in which the Spirit is at work 
in us together. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 is a great companion to this chapter because it talks about the whole idea of unity in the midst of diversity. Um, the first book that we went through, through together as a church was the book of Ephesians. And part of it was because of passages that were similar to this in Romans chapter 12, how it describes the truth of the gospel and then goes on to proceed in, in telling us what it looks like for us to live as Christians in this world and to live as Christians together in this world, to live as a community um, together. And so I want us to have a clear picture of, of what it is for us to be a community together. There's a unity that God, through His Spirit, expects and provides for us. And it's the result of the grace that has been gifted to us. So look at verse 3 there in Romans chapter 12. Who we are, what we're able to do, is because of the grace that has been given to us. <coughs> Paul says about himself in verse 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. Then look down at verse 6. Having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So according to the grace given to Paul, according to the grace given to us, let's use that grace. So that grace has been given to us, and so let's use that grace. Um, so as, as he says, um, we have different gifts. We've been gifted, we've all been gifted grace, but we've been gifted differently. We have different gifts, and, and these gifts are meant to complement one another. Um, and they're meant to complement one another by, by displaying the glory of God and highlighting Christ. Look at verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. We are one body in Christ. Community. Now, last week we, we sort of tried to define a few terms, and I'm not really going to do that this week, but if we're going to just think about the term community, since that's, you know, what our passage is talking about, what we're talking about as far as our vision goes as a church, community, maybe just a simple way to put it, is coming together in unity, right? Coming unity, a community, coming together in unity. Do you ever watch, um, you know, military movies or war movies? I mean, I guess we could, you know, say uh, movies like the Marvel movies, you know, because there's a lot of fighting and war type stuff happening in there. But, um, you know, maybe as Americans, it's easy for us to, you know, look fondly back in many regards, in some regards, on, you know, the world wars that we've been a part of because we were victorious and such things. Um, but they come at a, a great cost. But you watch these movies and you see that sometimes there are units Right, and I don't know all the military terms because I haven't been in the military, but oftentimes there's a unit together, a group of guys, a group of soldiers who have a commander who are being led, but who all have different gifts and skills and abilities. And they use these different skills and abilities, these different um, particular ways of having been trained, so that some people have a job that is different than this other person's job. And the medic doesn't have the same job as the gunner. That's a different guy. They all have different ways in which they complement one another so that their different skills and abilities are clearly meant to work together 
and they become a community. You see how dependent they are on one another in order to accomplish a particular task, to take over a you know, particular point of interest or a town or to defeat whatever enemy there is in that, to capture an objective, all of these things. You know, we can look at these movies and we get a glimpse of how much camaraderie these guys and ladies have when they serve together in such a fierce and trying environment. When they're putting their lives on the line and they are depending on each other to stay alive, to defend themselves. When they say, hey, cover me, because a guy jumps out in the midst of gunfire and the other guy is supposed to cover him, you know, so that he can actually get to the next point so they can advance. There's a, a dependence on one another. They are together. They are depending on one another. And this whole idea, uh, you know, th- the moral of the story in most of those movies is not that there's one guy who comes in and saves the day. It's that together, maybe usually the main guy, the one who's supposed to have all the skills and abilities, needs someone to come and help him out. Otherwise, he would not have been able to survive. I mean, how many times when you think about these things that it is not just one person, but the the moral is together they had to accomplish this together. It, It wasn't one guy. It wasn't one person. It wasn't one just strategic move. It was all of them put together led to success. And this is how God has designed us as his people. That's how God has designed us. Except... Our commonality and particular source of unity is the spirit that he has given to us. Is the spirit that he's given to us and sealed us with, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 1. Our gifts are what the spirit provides, not who we naturally are or have been. And this is what makes the spirit and his church so dynamic. We're naturally different. Right? We have different jobs. Some of us are healthcare. Some of us are construction. Some of us are sales. Some of us are IT. Some of us are retail. Some of us are art. Um, some of us are in housework. We all have different jobs. We have different interests and talents. Some of us, we enjoy music. Some of us can play music. Some of us can't play music. Um, some of us enjoy sports. Some of us enjoy playing sports. Some of us can't play sports. Um, Some of us are mechanically gifted. Some of us are carpenters. Some of us just enjoy serving, enjoy being out in the community and doing things. Right? We look different. We're from different states. We have different backgrounds. Right? We have different political views. Um, We are simply different. Some of us are still in school. Some of us have gone to college. Some of us haven't gone to college. Some of us have bachelor degrees. Some of us have master's degrees. Some of us have doctorates. We are diverse. We're different. But look, you know, while it's amazing that we can come together with such differences, any, any group can come together. I mean, we're talking about moving our services to the Moose Lodge. And the Moose Lodge, is, it's a community of people that come together regularly to do things together. Any group can come together, and any group that's different can come together. They might have one particular 
area of interest that brings them together. But any group of different people can come together for different reasons. What? But the Moose Lodge is not a church. Right? I mean, the, the Kiwanis is not a church. Your place of work where people come together to accomplish a, a particular goal is not a church. What, what makes a, a, a group a church, what makes a group of Christians become a community is the unity of the Spirit. And, and this unity is expressed through varying spiritual gifts and the exercises therein of those gifts. We've been given gifts so that we can give those gifts to other people, so that other people can benefit from what we have been given. And, and this, is, uh, this is not new in, in what God's dynamics have been. In Genesis chapter 12, we find Abram, and God calls Abram, from out of obscurity, out of nowhere, and he says, Abram, I'm going to bless you, and why? Why is God going to bless Abram so that Abram can be a blessing to everyone else? So that through Abram, God is going to use him and his family to be a blessing to everyone else. It's not so that Abram will be blessed, and Abram will be successful, and Abram will be able to say, look at how awesome I am, but so that Abram can then use his blessings, use the gifts that God has given to him to serve, to give other people. Spiritual gifts are meant to serve one another, to serve the body. And these gifts are not our natural abilities or skills. Spiritual gifts are not our natural abilities or our skills or our inclinations. They are different. They are particular manifestations of the depths of the knowledge and wisdom and power of God at work among His people for His glory and for the building up of His people. And so, as we look at Romans chapter 12, and we see all of these ways in which we are supposed to use our gifts for other people and not for ourselves, let's let these truths sink in and give us an opportunity to see what it looks like to be a community together. How does a community act? How does a community of Christians act toward one another and toward the people that they encounter? Um, see these gifts and, and, and notice that these gifts are, they are spiritual gifts. Look at verse 6. In Romans chapter 12, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Notice that all of these gifts, by definition, are meant to be for others. I mean, a prophecy is not meant for the prophet. A prophecy is meant for the people who listen to the prophecy. Someone who leads, if there aren't other people to lead, then you're not leading because you're the only one. Right? I mean, you can't lead yourself. You're supposed to lead other people. Right? You can't contribute 
to nothing. You have to contribute to something. You have to be generous towards somebody, towards something. When you serve, you're not supposed to just serve yourself. You're supposed to be serving somebody. When you teach, what's the point of, of me studying and teaching if I'm the only one in the audience? I'm just talking to myself, right? I mean, it's useless. It's pointless. I mean, it's good for me, but what is it good for the world, for anybody else? So you see that even just by definition, these things are meant to be used for the benefit of others. And then he goes on, and and really, if, if you have a hard time knowing what to pray for, if you struggle with in prayer, and and knowing what should I pray for for myself, what should I pray for for the people that are around me, what should I pray for for my church, let Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through really the end of the chapter, especially verses 9 through 13, but 9 through 21, serve as particular things that we can be praying for about for one another. And so just walking through these, verse 9, let love be genuine. Uh, Another way to put this sort of negatively is let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be genuine. I mean, haven't you ever encountered someone who was doing something but they were doing it clearly because they had to or clearly because, you know, they were being forced to or they they just thought it was the right thing to do and that's the only reason they were doing it, not because they genuinely were wanting to do it. I mean, have you ever experienced that? And just sort of, you know, like the idea of a backhanded compliment, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm doing this for you, but it's really not for you, it's really for me. Um, you know, but whatever, if you benefit, okay, I guess that's okay, but I'm really doing it to puff myself up. And then I think that's why it's interesting how he starts in verse 3 in Romans chapter 12, where he says, By the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. And, and he really repeats that same thing in... um in verse 16, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Look, as we went through Isaiah, chapters 1 through 12, so much of what he was talking about, Isaiah the prophet, to God's people, he was saying, don't think too highly of yourself. You think that you're so great and grand because God is on your side, but when you... When you really look at the fact of the matter, God is the one who has put you in any position that you have to ever have been able to say, look at what God has done for me. And unfortunately, people turn the gifts that they've been given, the abilities that they've been given, and say, look at me. Look at what I can do. Instead, we're meant to say, look at what I can do for others because Christ has changed me. And, and, and really not look at what I can do, but look at what the Spirit is doing through me because God wants to build His people through His people. He wants to use His people to influence, to engage with, to benefit other people. 
his people. Let love be genuine. Let it be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Um, we just read through uh, the Pilgrim's Progress, and we talked about it on Wednesday night. And in the midst of Pilgrim's Progress, it was interesting that um, as Christian and I think hopeful at the time, we're talking to talkative. Um, how um, one, one of either Christian or hopeful had to stop talkative and, and say, look, I don't think you really understand just how horrible sin is supposed to be in your sight. You can say that sin is wrong, but if you don't go so far as to say that you hate sin, that you abhor sin, that you hate what is evil then you've missed the point of truly acknowledging sin. We, we talked about this some last week, and when we were talking about the gospel, when we were talking about, um, you know, as we looked at God, man, Christ response, when we were looking at the man portion, when we looked at Romans chapter 1 and the description of man and his fallen state of how when we are led to do what we want to do, naturally we fall away from God and we are into all sorts of evil things. And this is what describes us. This is who we naturally are. We are evil. And so, having truly understood the gospel, having truly understood who we are naturally, by, by nature and by choice, we say, God, this is who I am, but... I know who you are and what you have done to change me. I know that Christ was perfect, and so I rely not on my own strengths, not on my own power and ability, but on the power of Christ having lived that perfect life that I didn't live. And from that, I can know what is wrong. I can know what is evil. I can know what I need to change. And the only ability I have to change to be different is because the Spirit has been put into my heart, into my life, to make me different. And so I hate what God hates. I love what God loves. And I, and I do that genuinely. I genuinely love the things that God loves, and I genuinely hate the things that God hates. And God hates sin. God hates evil. And so I cling to what's good, and I completely separate myself from what's not, from what's not good. Um, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. It, it's hard to outdo one another in showing honor if we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. If we don't think of ourselves with that sober judgment that the gospel requires and demands. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We could talk about any one of these phrases for quite a period of time, and, and we're not going to do that this morning. And, and that's why I want to encourage us to put a bookmark here in Romans chapter 12, and when we have, a, uh, when we have trouble knowing what to pray for, when we have trouble knowing who it is that we are supposed to be as Christians, how we are supposed to live, having rightly responded to the gospel in the first place, what then does that mean for us? What are the ramifications, what are the results of, what is the natural 
overflow of our response, of our true and right response to the presentation of the gospel in our lives and in our hearts. It is these things. We can look at the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. And you can see how some of these things are so similar to what is described here. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. Right? You see that patience. You see that urgency. You see that love. You see that joy. You see that compassion for one another. And I want us to, to be diligent to pursue these things in our, in our hearts and in our minds. To have them constantly be on the forefront of who we are as a community, as a people together. Um, look at Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, and we'll read a few verses. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. So instead of not doing all of these things, what are we supposed to do? Well, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Love. Love one another. That's, that's why he starts out there in, in chapter 12, verse 9, let love be genuine. This is how we are to be described as a community together, people who love one another. Because the love of Christ has been poured out into our hearts. First off, we've responded to the gospel, and it brings us together to display His love toward His people, toward other humans. In Romans chapter 15, look at verse 1. And again, he talks about this whole idea of high and low, of thinking of yourself properly. Chapter 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So look at verse 2 again. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. There are many ways that we can, as we are going through this series, our, our vision series of who we are as a church and how we describe ourselves, the things that we want to focus on. There are many different ways and words that we can use to succinctly describe that, to simply describe who we are and who we intend to be. And one of these ways is, as he uses that there in chapter 15, verse 2, to build him up, to build up and send out. That, that is what we want to do as we respond to the gospel, as we encounter other people, as we share the gospel with them, and they respond rightly, as they believe. As we have believed and we join ourselves together in a community together, we want to build each other up. <coughs> That's what being a community is all about. 
It's not just surviving together. It's not just going along with the flow together, but it's an intentionality that is meant for us to be building something together. And the foundation that we have is the gospel. The foundation that we have is Christ. And we build upon this foundation of the gospel. That's why we started there. And we build so that together we would be on display for Christ. We would be on display so that the glory of God is seen in our larger community, in our town, in our county, in our area, in our work, so that as we serve one another, as we build each other up, the Spirit continues to change our hearts, continues to move us from our natural desires and wants of serving ourselves, of thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to, to instead thinking of ourselves with sober judgment, realizing that what we have been given has been given to us. Who we are has been a gift from God. He has given us His Spirit for the purpose of building not just ourselves, but each other up. And next week we'll look at mission. And, you know, one of the, the simple ways of, of putting that is building each other up so that we can be sent out. And, and we'll talk about that next week, what that looks like to be a community of people who build each other up so that we can go and display God's glory in all the different ways and areas that we are. Uh, again, and we do this even though we are all different. The gifts that the Spirit has given to us are meant to be used for one another, not just to end on ourselves. And so I pray that we would recognize for each of us what the Spirit has done in our hearts and what the Spirit is doing in our hearts, not just to do in our hearts, but so that our hearts would overflow into our words and actions to build others up that we are a part of. And that's who we are as a community of Christians, as a community of believers, as a church. This is our intention and our expectation. And so with that understanding, let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning and for the opportunity that we have to serve one another, to build each other up, to depend on your spirit that you have given to us. And so I pray that we would commit ourselves to your word, that we would look at a chapter or a passage like you have given us here in Romans and then it would be on our hearts to continue to search out ways in which we can let love be genuine. That we can hate what is evil. That we can be faithful to, to serve one another. To be fervent in spirit. To, to not be slothful um, in zeal. To, to hope well to be patient in tribulation, to be constant in prayer. God, we pray that you would make these things true of us. We've seen how you have already done that in so many ways in our hearts and together as a church. Would you continue to build us up through your spirit at work in our hearts and in our lives? God, this is why we gather together. This is why we are here to encourage one another, to build each other up, to spur each other on, 
toward love and good deeds. And so we want you to do that. We need you to do that. And we ask that you would. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, as um, we sing a, a little bit, I just wanted to encourage you, since I try to always have some sort of book recommendation, um, the book The Compelling Community is a great book that describes a lot of things um, in way more detail and and a lot better than anything that I've just said over the past however many minutes. Um, so The Compelling Community, it's by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop. Um, I've actually had uh, lunch at Jamie's house before, um, so he's a really uh, great guy, um, and I really appreciate the work that um, both those guys have done, and so I'd encourage that book to you, The Compelling Community. Let's sing.